Hey guys, and welcome to the SA Club podcast. Today we are talking about the eight ways to do service accommodation. So without further ado, on with the show. Welcome SA Club members. I hope you're all doing very well and I'm happy Friday to you all. Today Chris and I are going to be jumping on and talking about the eight ways to do service accommodation. So the first one, we're going to roll straight into it. Number one, renting from a letting agent. So what I'm talking about here is rent to service accommodation. So you don't own the property, you don't buy it, but you take the property on as a rental and you go via a letting agent. Just to sort of explain the process, I mean, kind of as, as it sounds, you um, converse with letting agents, you're gonna probably have to talk with quite a few to begin with, especially depending on where you are in your service accommodation journey. And then hopefully having had the right conversations, some of them will potentially offer you some units. And yeah, you'll obviously be able to sort of get opportunities to do service accommodation through them. Personally, I think it's a very powerful strategy working with letting agents because the basic statistic is 90% of the UK rental market is with letting agents. So if you're looking at doing rent to SA, and I'll probably expand on rent to SA a little bit more anyway in a second, but if you're doing rent to SA, if you're not using letting agents, you're cutting yourself off from about 90% of the supply of possible properties in the UK, which is obviously just, yeah, you basically cut yourself off from the majority of the opportunities. I'll just step back a little bit and explain what rent to SA is for those of you that aren't aware. So essentially, it is the process whereby you, through a limited company normally, will rent a property on a long-term basis, we would suggest. We normally go for about three years. You will rent the property on a monthly basis, so you'll pay a fixed amount of rent each month. Property types can vary. And let's say you pay £800 a month rent every single month. That goes to the landlord and or the letting agent. The basic principle for rent to service accommodation, you then re-rent the property back out on a nightly basis and you charge a higher amount per night. And essentially the gap between what your costs are, i.e. your rent, utilities, etc., council tax, which you take on as a tenant, and the profit you make, or sort of the turnover you make each month from putting out your guests, that's your profit margin. And it's quite an interesting and exciting strategy that a lot of people, ourselves included, use when they get into service accommodation because you can get control of a property. And there's been a lot of sort of well-known entrepreneurs. I think mean, Donald Trump, um, one of them, unfortunately, it's more exciting. In some ways, I'm fortunate to mention that name, but we'll get, we'll get past that. But one of his kind of principles is own nothing, control everything. And it's quite a well-known kind of entrepreneurial phrase. And yeah, that's basically kind of it. It's by controlling the asset, but not even owning it, you have less liability and you can kind of make a lot of cash. And that kind of is the premise of rent to SA that you can potentially make a fair amount of money using property you don't own and from our experience depending on how you do it you can potentially get control of a property and keys and furnish a place for as little as sort of five to six thousand pound now clearly in comparison to buying the same property where you need to still furnish it and put a chunky deposit down of say 30 40 thousand pound plus fees it allows you to get control of a lot more properties quite quickly rent to is a cash flow strategy so it's where you basically you're looking to generate cash you're not going to be generating income in terms of sort of um, appreciation because you don't own the asset but it is very compelling and it's great for people starting in service accommodation because they get to sort of generate cash in a nutshell that's rent to sa and then getting back to what i was saying about from a letting agent why it's going to a letting agent so powerful is because if you get one on board and they like what you do and you take the time to explain it to them and they kind of like want to work with you more then they will naturally have more properties coming on their books and you'll find very quickly that they will stop sending more and more deals your way and that'll make your life so much easier instead of having to go out and constantly hunt for new deals if you get to a kind of privileged position where they're calling you and go look i've got this one do you want it that's an amazing place to be even more powerful if you're actually sourcing properties as well but yeah just something of interest so yeah i've probably blabbered enough chris have you got any kind of thoughts on renting from a letting agent positive negative yeah so i got three positives as ben rightly said they are a great source of property procurement if you can get the right 
let an agent that understands your strategy. They can also act as a kind of a buffer and a sales person towards the landlords as well. So it's kind of two there. Great source of uh, properties and uh, the explanation and buffer to the landlord. Coupled in with that as well, I think leading on from the buffer to the landlord is an extra person. So this comes with its pros and its cons, but essentially they're another kind of management perspective that kind of buffers you from the landlord and a source of help and assistance in, in anything that could go awry. From a negative perspective, contrary to what I just said, they are an extra step that you have towards the landlord. So whilst they can be very useful in some ways, it could be an extra step. So for an example, a boiler breaks down, this time of year we're seeing a lot of this, there might be that extra step that you have to go to the letting agent and then uh, they then have to go over to the uh, landlord. Especially in the service accommodation world, this is kind of elongating that time where something is going to get fixed. So that's something to be aware of. The right letting agent is critical and some letting agents are a little bit behind the times where they don't understand the strategy. So you need to be able to convey to them exactly what you're doing, how you can benefit the landlords and themselves. I think some letting agents might even be a little bit fearful that you're, you're there as a property management company and trying to take business away from them in a certain aspect, but that's not the case. And I've had many conversations with letting agents now to just say, look, we're actually here to assist you and you know we've got maintenance team we've got housekeeping team we're there to kind of keep that property to a standard that a we needed it and b the landlord requires i think that's my pros and cons of rent to sa the downside is that you are paying the rent so whether you're an investor or uh, like myself and ben do we rent ourselves to sa you've still got that rental that you need to pay and associated bills Cool. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, I think me and Chris are very much on the same page. Doing mental save our letting agents is incredibly powerful. In all fairness, working with letting agents and renting properties is what got us out of our day jobs and into service accommodation. So we owe that particular sort of strategy as a springboard that got us to where we are now, essentially. So we'll kind of segue from that straight into still rent to service accommodation, but this time renting directly from a landlord. So Difference to the sort of previous strategy of renting from a letting agent in this instance, whereas normally if you go by a letting agent, you're still renting off a landlord, but there's obviously the broker essentially with the letting agent in the middle. I said 90% of the stock with letting agents. As a result, the other 10% of the stock is kind of with the landlords who want to manage their properties privately. They would probably consider themselves professional landlords, as it were, and they want to be the ones kind of in the trenches, kind of doing the referencing, working on the boilers, kind of doing the paint, all that kind of stuff. I'm obviously generalizing a bit there. But equally, I would say that anyone getting into service accommodation, doing rent to SA or kind of in that place already, you should also be working with letting agents. It's another very good sort of pool. And it's actually, there's quite a lot of really good ways to kind of get directly to landlords. And in some ways, especially if you're new, it's quite a good way to practice, to be honest, because agencies can be a little bit more intimidating because obviously you've got to go in there. They've got the sort of, I don't know, it's a big shop front and there's loads of people and they've got processes and procedures and such. Whereas actually talking to individual landlords can be a bit more of an engaging experience where you just find people that would be easy to click with sometimes. You normally get more kind of leeway going direct to landlord as well because they're kind of often more open to kind of discussing a deal. When there's sort of got opportunities in the letting agent window, the price can often be the price. And I would always, I would humbly suggest, because as a bit of a side note, that if the price is good, not to haggle anyway. But yeah, with landlords, you do tend to have a bit of leeway. And yeah, I think there's a massive positive because if you're going directly to them, there isn't a letting agent with their prerogative involved. It pretty much is what does the landlord want? What do you want? And if you find a landlord essentially wants to do as little as possible and have you do all the work, that can be an amazing relationship because it becomes very passive for them getting their regular monthly rental income. 
and you get good control of an asset without then having to sort of dance to the tune of both the landlord and the letting agent, which is fine, but yeah, just, just something to consider. So yeah, it's incredibly powerful and really just kind of like a range of opportunities. So some landlords will have one or two properties and that's great and we still want to work with them, but equally there are portfolio landlords out there who will have an absolute metric ton of stuff and they can be amazing to work with. And there are different portals you can use to find landlords. One of them is open rent. And on that, you can normally see how many properties a landlord's actually got. So that's, that could be quite useful for triaging that. But yeah, it's definitely something, a strategy you should weave in. and. As we go and find more units now, actually, we found in some ways, in terms of automation and sort of using a bit of systemization to kind of cast the net out and see what properties are available, direct to landlords actually a bit easier to kind of automate some of the process of generating leads than going through agents. So yeah, just sort of one to bear with. But no, I think it's a great strategy as well. We've had some really good success. I would say what we found when we started off is that that started a bit slower for us. We found we got moving quicker by working with agents. And I would still say, if I had to pick one or the other, I would say agents. But there is literally no reason why you shouldn't do both. Powerful strategy. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I completely agree in all points. So just to expand upon a couple. Number one, great communication. So you direct straight to the landlord. In most cases, as you mentioned, they're normally in a professional capacity. They have their build teams in place in some instances, so you can go direct to them. Any issues, problems from infrastructure purposes, can be sorted out immediately. Number two, the landlords, uh, in most cases, I would say, extremely happy with the standards that service accommodation can afford them. So they've had problems tenants in the past. Obviously, it's all in their interest to make that, get that in, in place for them so that they've got their building in order. So it's quite compelling for the landlords and, as you mentioned, portfolio landlords. So what we find is that a lot of landlords will try one or two of their properties just to see how SA works, just to try and they, they know that it's a strategy and they know that they want to try and delve in or dip their toe. And once they see it working, then they can offer up some more. So very powerful. From a negative perspective, initially it's quite difficult explaining the strategy. A lot of landlords are kind of setting their ways and kind of just want that normal tenant because that's what they know. There's a little bit more upfront work with regards to kind of legislation and maybe paperwork and defining that those roles. And you might have a little bit more to manage because the construct of your relationship might mean that you have to do more of the maintenance side and etc etc yeah i think director landlord is a preferred option however it's quite difficult to gain that initial kind of uh, foot from the door yeah i think i'm going to expand on a point that you expanded on for me there chris so thank you for that um <laughs> so scalability is probably the word i'd use and yeah basically going to a letting agent you get the agent on board you tell them once what you do and that's that they can then pitch that to their landlords with direct landlord, every time it's a new landlord, exactly as Chris said, it's this is what service accommodation is. You quite often have to explain it back to front, and that doesn't scale very well. So just the consideration, I mean, it's still worth doing. It's like, oh, I can't be bothered to spend five minutes explaining that. I'm not saying, oh, just don't consider it like that. But obviously, it does mean you kind of have to cover the same ground a lot more often than if you find a few agents. So, yeah. That's kind of um, those ones in a nutshell, so I hope that was useful, guys. And we'll move into number three. We're on about 16 minutes so far, Chris, and we're on number two. So, yeah, the <laughs> classic attempt at timekeeping here, as per usual. But the next way to do SA is purchase to service accommodation. Clearly a different strategy compared to renting, and I'll kind of explain how I define this. So purchase to service accommodation, when I say that, what I'm referring to is essentially going on right move, um, Zoopla, et cetera, finding a property that doesn't need any work, that's essentially in good condition, so new refurb, kind of that, in a good state, even dare I say a new build if you're kind of um, of that mind, but basically a good property that essentially you can buy 
put some furniture in and it's good to go. Positives and negatives compared to sort of renting, which is the obvious sort of counter strategy. Positive is you get full control of the assets. So there's no letting agent, there's no landlord to be kind of concerned about, which is um, can be a very compelling thing, just knowing that basically that's your asset. Exit strategies, you've got an alternate exit strategy normally. So whereas with Rent to SA, you're kind of locked into, you need to do Rent to SA. If for some reason that doesn't work, then you've got the option of putting a tenant in, but chances are you're probably at best going to break even, potentially lose money each month. Whereas if you buy a property and obviously you've done it in a vaguely sensible manner and obviously market conditions dependent, but realistically, there's a very high likelihood that if for some reason SA doesn't work, you can sell the property again. Depending on when you do that, you might even sort of crystallize a bit of a gain from sort of a hopefully capital appreciation. Or you could just put a tenant in and do, run it as a single let and still probably have a relatively decent investment. So you've got more exit strategies, which is great. I kind of touched on it before, but obviously if you own the asset and you intend to hold it long term, I mean, we all know that roughly speaking, the sort of value of UK properties doubles, um, sorry, doubles or goes up to twofold every 10 years. And it's a way many people make wealth just by investing long-term in UK property. And even they're not even as bothered about the cash flow. They just want that long-term growth, which has been very consistently for well decades and centuries, to be honest. So that can be very compelling. Um, and also, because you own the property, and if you're an investor, you probably bought it on an interest-only mortgage. Normally, what we find is people will have relatively low mortgage payments each month, especially compared to like what it would cost to rent it. And that whole gap between where your mortgage payments are and what you would be paying for the equivalent rent of the property, that's all extra profit margin for you. So on a kind of individual basis, yeah, they can be quite lucrative. On the flip side, kind of negatives, the cash flow in terms of like what cash flow you're getting out of your money is tends to be less than rent to SA. I mean, just kind of using big numbers here, you could probably get five, maybe six rent to SAs for the cost of buying maybe one equivalent property. So your money's not working as hard for you in the short term by purchasing, but equally there's a lot to be said for building assets in your asset column because it's kind of part of your legacy and it's kind of like they're your bankers. So I suppose from mine and Chris's perspective, I'm sure he'll back me up on this. I think we got into this game with a view, do rent to SA for cash flow, then start doing purchase to SA, kind of using kind of different strategies, which we'll go on to in a second, but we wanted to build up our asset column We'll still continue doing rent to SA, but I think really as you sort of progress in service accommodation, you should look to do both. Because both have their place and kind of give you a better spread. Any thoughts on any of I've said, Chris? To be honest with you, I think you covered it all there. I think with purchase to SA, you've got the ownership factor. You can pick your gold mine area with a little bit more clarity and you can do that properly up to the kind of the standard that is required straight away. That is um, a really good point. Sorry, Chris, I'm going to dive straight in because I didn't even hit that, but it's easy. That's probably the other thing I say. <laughs> An estate agent isn't going to give a monkeys what you're doing with the property. If you'll get there to buy it, they just want to sell it to you. They don't care if you single let, leave it empty for all they care. Whereas obviously there are, it, it tends to be harder to get rent to SA units. Um, sorry, sorry for cutting in, but I thought that's a valid point you kind of raised. That's all right, I'm used to it. Um, yeah, <laughs> so uh, the ownership factor, the, the fact that you can pick your gold mine area a little bit easier and the standard of property. The obvious yield, so if you're usually buying with an interest-only mortgage, the cash flow capability on this is massive, but like you've rightly said, Ben, you're putting a lot of capital in and tying that up. will work for you in the, the long term, and I know it's a strategy that we definitely want to go down. Yeah, I, th I think you have covered most of it. I think it's the, the obvious advantages there for the, for the purchaser, I'd say. The biggest one is, is the exit strategy. And I say this to a number of people, um, friends, family, uh, and ourselves included. If it doesn't work for SA, will it work for normal tenancy? And in 99% of the time, then it will. Uh, so mm -hmm. if you have that in mind, it's especially good to have in the back of your mind, 
I'm going to buy this property with a view to a normal rental and try it out with SE. But obviously, you've got that kind of initial ability to pick gold mine areas for SE anyway. That's a good point. I think one other thing I might tease out is um, what makes it a little bit more inefficient for the single let route is um, typically, I mean, people that tend to specialise in single lets tend to, dare I say, the best bang for your buck tends to be going to the lower end of the market to kind of get the best yields and returns. With SA, you are really going to have to focus on better quality properties in terms of what you're purchasing, in, my, in our opinion, in, in terms of what we think works the best. So, yeah, just a bit of a side note. Yeah, you will end up with a single, in, compared to leaving your money in the bank or arguably many other ways of investing your money, you're still going to end up probably with a very good asset in the grand scheme of things. But yeah, maybe not quite as efficient as buying sort of um, what some people call like little two-bedroom boxes, this kind of thing. So yes, that kind of covers up purchase to SA. And we're going to kind of, again, sort of segue into the full form, which is very similar, but we call BRR to SA, which stands for Buy, Refurbish, Refinance to SA. So this is similar to the last strategy in which, in which you are buying it. But in this instance, it's a lot more niche and kind of... um not skill intensive, but yeah, there's a lot more to it because the basic principle is that you look for properties that you can add value to. There's probably a couple of ways to go with this. The most obvious and well-known one is you look for properties that are um, need a bit of work. You don't want stuff for kind of holes in the walls, kind of the roof caved in, that kind of thing necessarily. That's obviously, there are people that do that and do that very well, but that's kind of too much really. What you're looking for are properties um, that are quite dated, need probably like a new kitchen, new bathroom, re-carpet, repaint, and dare I say it, little more than that. That's the ideal kind of pinch point. And then you're looking to secure those properties for a relatively low value in proportion to what it would be worth done up. And then the basic principle is you buy the property at a good price, so hopefully haggle a bit off because it needs a bit of work anyway. You run your numbers beforehand and figure out, well, actually, if I offer this price and get it, it'll be worth this much once I've done it up because I've looked at what's in the area. And then purchase said property, get the work done, um, and then you're looking to basically add about three pounds of value for every pound you spend on it. That's what people that are good at this can do um, by kind of doing that kind of, um, not bare minimum, but that kind of quite cosmetic refurb, very light touches in, compared to like knocking walls through and all that kind of stuff. And then the idea is normally you either buy using bridging or cash is normally the way. I know some people do actually buy with a mortgage and then remortgage, which is a little bit cheeky, but again, I'm sort of not, not, not a mortgage broker. Okay, I've done a I've done a caveat of the day already, but um, yeah, the advised way to do it is to um, use purchase entirely in cash or use like, the correct kind of product. And then after some time, essentially once you've done the property back up, done the property up to a high standard, you then get another mortgage or a mortgage on the property and hopefully pull out some, if not all of your money, which gives you your cash pot back. And I know people that are, there are people that are very good at this and they can actually do this to the point where they get back all of their money and a bit extra. So they end up basically having a house that's got none of their own money in They'll have a mortgage on it, so they don't own the whole, whole thing outright, but they've got a 25% mortgage on there, and they've got all of their money back to go again, and that's the magic of this strategy. It's a way for quickly building up your asset column because some people that aren't aware of that strategy might think the way to do it is to buy properties, save up the rent, and then buy using the sort of money they saved up, and that's a lot slower, obviously, whereas actually recycling your money, which is what you're doing with this strategy, is very powerful, and it's quite a well-known sort of broader property technique, but... I think for service accommodation, it's ridiculously compelling because that strategy by refurbishing finance to single let works very well and, people, and was one of the most widely used strategies. But you end up with an asset that might cash flow sort of three, four hundred pound a month. If you do it with the right service accommodation properties, you end up with an asset that could potentially be cash flowing you triple what you'd be getting as a single let. And you've still got there's no reason why you haven't got a similar amount of money back out. So it's, um, I think, very, very exciting. It's arguably my favorite 
service accommodation strategy because you can yeah, build up your asset column quite quickly, recycle the money so you're not having to sort of constantly sort of scrabble around for funds, hopefully, and you end up with sort of cash flow and properties. So I think very, very interesting. What are your thoughts, Chris? Yeah, exactly the same as yours, Ben. I think this is one of the areas where we want to go down predominantly. I think from all of the positives, there are a couple of negatives we, you need to just keep in mind, and that's the time frame. So some of these refurbishments might take longer than expected, one to be aware of. You need a pretty good build team and one that you can trust to go in and get that straight up. So uh, as Ben mentioned, I think you're looking for that property that just needs a bit of work, but it doesn't need to go into like a, an extended period of time because the quicker you can get this property up and into SA, the quicker you can start that cash flow immediately. You also may need some kind of project management if you can't do that yourself. Some of these kind of properties are a little bit niche, so you need the right gold mine area, again, the same as uh, purchase to SA, but also it needs to be at the right level of build to be able to refinance correctly. So, yeah, just a couple of things, I think, to, to think about on, on that. Cool. So am I making you a cup of tea, Chris? <laughs> I was trying to, trying to look as if nothing was happening, but my... Uh, my father's just made me a cup of coffee, so. Hey, yeah, that's good service. Service, service is smart. I can see, I can see his reflection in the window, so I'm tracking what he's doing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that's a good point. I suppose one other negative I would tease out is, um, compared to purchase to SA, where there's just going to be a lot of opportunities. Obviously, there tend to be less properties on the market that need work, and obviously there'll be a lot of property investors looking for those opportunities. So it is harder to find those opportunities. They're definitely out there, but arguably the very, very best ones often won't even make it into the estate agent window because mm -hmm. property investors will have basically managed to snap them off the letting a, sorry, estate agent just kind of the moment they come in the door. So way more sophisticated strategy. And yeah, you need a good build team and things can go wrong. You can, as you say, take, buy a property that you think, oh, I need, I need a bit of paint in that bit. And then you find it's riddled with damp and there's um, the roof, it needs a new roof. And then suddenly, yeah, you've got a bit of an issue because you've got huge costs. So yeah, still but very good strategy but yeah Chris is entirely right to raise kind of extra flags there. Uh, one good technique is we've gone down this as well is uh, to get in touch with the auctioneers, have a good relationship with the estate agents which you can develop over time so any of these off the market kind of deals would be more beneficial in this case because they are a little bit more few and far between than, than the normal but always keep your eye out. Cool. Awesome. So number five, and again, we're kind of like some of these, there are similarities, but we call this strategy, which um, build slash conversion to SA. So we're basically talking about going big. So not your projects where you are putting a lick of paint on a new bathroom, but actually it might be converting a building, be that kind of an office into residential units or taking a hotel, converting that to an apartment hotel, or even taking a greenfield or brownfield site and building from nothing all the way up to either of those projects. Again, extremely interesting and compelling, clearly very sophisticated strategy, kind of like the next natural progression from what we were just speaking about, but again, can be incredibly compelling. I mean, from our perspective, we love multi-unit deals. We love managing blocks of apartments. We love managing hotels. We love just managing as much stuff in one place as possible because as amazing as sort of doing service accommodation with houses and sort of apartments is, is in different areas, every sort of additional property in a new place adds an extra slight element of logistical complication. Whereas if you've just got a lot of stuff in one place, it makes your life a lot easier. I mean, you're talking cleaning, uh, linen, security, logistics in terms of where people park, just sort of general maintenance, all of these things compound so much more for having a lot of stuff in one place. And again, this is quite a sophisticated strategy, but 
it's kind of like different ends of the spectrum. Yes, you've got blocks of hundreds of apartments. You could go kind of one end, but equally the other end, we might just be talking about like two or three apartments in one building, um, as in like a house conversion to two or three apartments. So you can sort of scale into this strategy. You don't have to go kind of crazy to begin with. And that's kind of on this residential side, but equally on the apartment hotel model, which we, I won't dive into too much here because that's definitely a whole other episode. You don't necessarily need to start and go buy out Hilton or Waldorf Astoria or anything like that. You can start off their opportunities, just sort of be around, around the corner, B&B guest house kind of opportunity, which again, is still scaling and still doing multiple units in one block. So it's a really exciting strategy. And I think especially apartment hotels, I won't go into it because I'll start going every day, but I think it's really awesome strategy personally. Got any thoughts on kind of going big, build conversion to SA, Chris? Just to expand on multi-unit, so I think that's kind of key here because it does give you the ability to operate at a bigger scale, all under one roof. Like you said, logistics is so much easier. There may be the need to go for extra red tape, i.e. planning, etc. again, the right kind of considerations from that perspective, and you probably or possibly need investment, so you're either going to tie up your own money here for a longer, longer period, or uh, someone else's, so something to be aware of for that. Yeah, I agree. That's a really good point to tease out. I mean, any of these strategies that we've mentioned so far, and we actually, that's completely unintentional, but kind of jumps very on to the next one. But investment can sort of improve your odds of success and sort of speed at which you do things. But yeah, obviously the big projects, by and large, few people are going to sort of cash finance them themselves. They're going to be looking at either sort of private investors or financial investment from the banks and whatnot, which we all know is increasingly difficult at the moment. So um, yeah, that comes with building out well, your investor sort of database. And again, that's a whole other subject we could go into one day. Um, so yeah, won't touch that today. So the next one, which is very much linked to investors, is service accommodation management. Now, this is probably something we'll try not to go too mm-hmm. off about. But in short, what's allowed us to sort of grow? I mean, we've gone past 80 units now with a lot more on the way, fortunately. And that's been in just over a year. We personally got a handful of rent to rents ourselves, but the vast majority of our growth has been through service accommodation management, and that's been massively compelling. So what is service accommodation management? If you're doing rent to SA, what I like about service accommodation management is it's essentially very similar. You do most of the same things. The difference is that you're operating in a similar capacity to a letting agent. So you are not the one paying the rent. You're not the one paying the bills, but you're managing the property for somebody else who's essentially taking the costs. So somebody else bought the furniture, We'll be paying the rent roll each month. We'll be responsible for gas, council tax, business rates, yada, yada. Your job is to basically put guests in, manage that, get the cleans done, etc. That's the normal agreement. I mean, obviously, there's no such thing as that's the only template. But I'd say that's a typical example on how we operate, roughly speaking. And then at the end of each month, essentially, there'll be sort of turnover from the property. You as a sort of managing agent will take a percentage of that. And then the rest of it goes back to the um investor or landlord and i suppose you yeah, have two different ways it can be done is you can either manage directly for people that own the properties or you can be managing for people that are investing in the properties i.e they rent they're renting them so that's kind of the two obvious ways it's done very compelling strategy in terms of i'm um, actually being the manager because essentially it's some um, low to no cash investment on your part the role obviously kind of um you've got overheads in terms of staff and systems etc but per property it kind of flips the other way you don't actually have to invest money in the property if anything depending on how you structure it you can normally find ways to quite rightly get paid to take the properties on because there are some costs involved in that so it's a very good way to build your business but equally there are risks and the main ones reputational because at the end of the day you're managing properties for people and trying to make them a good return on their money and the arrangement is basically they put all the money in you do all the work and if you don't get the results and you won't always get the results either unfortunately you can imagine sort of the way things have been the last year, 
some very good results. There have been times when some of our properties haven't performed. And it's not all roses and you've got to do your best. But yeah, you've just got to kind of take that balance. And it's, if you are introducing like another sort of entity into it, and clearly that's got to be a relationship you need to manage and you need to do your very best for. So yeah, essay management, I mean, we're massively um, for it. I think it is a big growth area. There's not many big essay management companies in the UK, I would argue. There's definitely room for a lot more. And we've seen a lot more people sort of starting to kind of um, see the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of sort of um, the way that sort of things are at the moment and probably see that essay management is what can get them to a really good position. For the people that I sort of coach and train, I massively push them to go down the management route because it allows them to help other people get into SA and also build their business as well. So we could probably talk about this for quite a while, but what are your kind of thoughts on essay management, Chris? Yeah, so I've rubbed down at some points here, but pretty much uh, going off the back of what you're saying, it's allowed us to scale quickly. So the ability, that the lower liability factor for us as a business and if you're thinking about starting out, there's a low liability there. But you do have a greater onus on you to perform. And with anything that we say and do, it's investor or the landlords in this case come first. So you have an obligation to do as well as you can to get as much out of it as possible. There's a lower percentage, obviously, for the management of SA. And you also need a good team around you to be able to facilitate a quality service, which is what we're aiming for uh, fundamentally. There's also higher expectations. There's, you're the management of this for an investor or landlord, so the expectations on you to do this is quite high. But yeah, scalability is vast. Little to no money to be input by yourselves. It's enabled us to go down this route, I think, especially through these troubling times, we've been able to scale quite quickly because a lot of the management companies have either folded slightly or come along a bit of hard times and then these properties have come over to us and we've equally had to perform. So it's something that we've kind of fell in by accident due to COVID. We actually <laughs> went down the rank to SA and fell into the management. And yeah, it's not an easy thing, but I think once you get it right and you get all your systems in place, it can be a really, really good way of scaling. Yeah, agreed. And I mean, just for those of you that like your numbers, I mean, I'm probably slightly generalizing here, but compared to doing rent to SA, if you're doing management, depending on what your fee is, you're looking at probably making 40% of the amount you would have been making doing a rent to SA, which is an insignificant amount considering that you're not putting any money in. And just to give that as a comparison, kind of running the numbers from what we do, we normally end up making the same amount of money off one property as a manager that we would if we own the property like and we're renting out as a single let i mean just if it was like a kind of a cheap and cheerful property that's kind of where the numbers are lies so that's pretty impressive that we can make the same amount of money that we would have made owning an asset and renting it out ourselves but managing it and putting no money in just basically our sweat equity which is a great non-existent word um, so yeah essay management definitely a whole other subject for a different time but we'll go on to the next one for sort of an element of brevity so number seven we're nearly there chris um is use deal sources to obtain the above and essentially everything we've just mentioned, you can basically use deal sources to kind of basically get you that. So if you are starting out on your SA business and you want a bit of speed, door just went, probably Amazon. I think it'll be fine. If you want to rent to SA, either from a letting agent or a landlord, deal sources can help you get that. So if you have, they will charge you money for the service, obviously. And it yeah, tends to be sort of um, four figures, put it that way. So it's not, it's not a cheap service, but equally they have good access and good knowledge to a lot of them to kind of get you the right stuff, then it can be a way to kind of build your portfolio quicker if you don't want to go down that route yourself. If you want to purchase properties, again, there is definitely deal sources that will help you find stuff to purchase. If you want buy, refurbish, and finance to SA, again, 100%. There are people out there who sold, well, they make their occupation to go find the deals and sell them on. 
So you can basically use build sources to speed up what you're doing. Obviously, that's going to be capital intensive because they'll charge a resourcing fee each time, which you then won't be able to put into further deals. But if you're cash rich and time poor, it can be a good way to get things going. Build conversion to SA, I mean, yeah, the sky's the limit with deal sources. I'm not going to sort of dive massively into it, but they can find you all these things. Probably the, the one that's not as obvious is SA management. So good deal sources, or should I say deal packages, will provide you that kind of end-to-end. So you can get some deal sources that will literally kind of find you a lead, maybe make an introduction, and that's basically all you've got. But a deal packager will find you the property, they can find you the management company, and they can basically do all the kind of um, paperwork, et cetera, and minimize your work as much as possible. So basically the arrangement that you give to them is go find me, I rent to SA, and really my only involvement I want is you can show me some pictures, and if I like them, I'll say yes, and then I want some money in my bank account each month. I would advise you to do a bit more due diligence than that, but you kind of get what I'm saying. The deal packages will try and give you the whole thing on a plate, which is great for people that sort of um, time poor, cash rich, um, but want to get investing in SA kind of hands off. So yeah, deal sources, very compelling and equally something that if you're doing SA yourself, you could potentially look at weaving into your business. Kind of a very interesting strategy as well. Have you got any thoughts on, yeah, basically using deal sources in SA, Chris? Uh, not really, other than um, I think your point about the time factor. So we use deal sources ourselves for some really good deal sources that understand what we're doing. Deal sources packages usually understand the service accommodation strategy and be used as, as a bridge to letting agents and to landlords alike. And they can also help you out with kind of the packaging that deal up. But I think the biggest point to take away, I think, is the time factor. and looking at the amount of time it's going to take you to go out and actually find these deals to go to the letting agencies, um, ring around landlords, uh, send out all those emails. A deal sourcing has probably got that infrastructure in place already. So if you're just starting out, uh, deal sources are definitely a good way to go. Yeah, I will tip in slightly. There are good deal sources. There are good deal packages. There are rubbish ones. You definitely don't want to be jumping in bed with the first person that sends you some pictures of a property on Facebook. Do your homework due diligence absolutely vital because unfortunately there are amazing people and we work with some absolutely excellent sources and packages but unfortunately we are aware of and there definitely are very bad ones who aren't compliant we won't find deals that actually they'll send you a spreadsheet with ludicrous numbers on and yeah just got to be very careful like anything in, in property i think i find the best way to find the good ones is referrals from people that already kind of have used them because again if you go on the website i'm sure they've probably put some very good testimonials on there and they haven't got any bad ones so yeah go get referrals from people that have already used services and such so yeah again whole other episode but we'll go on to the final one now and it's not too big a one and it's kind of an interesting one that still kind of is relevant to some people and that is use your existing properties now it's not relevant to everyone because not everyone's going to have like just oh, casual 20 properties that i don't really think much about but you'd have some people that have built up a portfolio, for example, of single lets or HMOs, those kind of properties, um, apartment blocks, etc. And it's interesting actually that probably just by learning more about service accommodation, you might actually realise that some of the properties that you've got, which you would have never have considered doing SA with, because you thought that all the SA is is um fancy two bedroom apartments on the Riviera with um kind of like a bottle of Chablis and um whatever, just doing that kind of a, a typical SA thing. You might actually suddenly think, you know what, actually um my two up two down terrace could be quite good for contractors and i'm making the xyz amount at the moment but actually it could work for sa so just having that in the back of your mind if you're in a position you're already a property investor it may be that you've got assets already that you could essentially get better returns from by using them for service combination there are also positive tax implications which again we won't go into today but there's a lot of positives for people that already have property to kind of go through their portfolio with a fine tooth comb 
and see if there's any in there that they might not have considered for SA in the first place. Yeah, so what do you think about that, Chris? Yeah, I think it goes back to the uh, whole portfolio landlord slightly, where a lot of people getting into SA or just kind of coming into the strategy slightly might not realise that actually the, the properties that they've got will work for service accommodation. And um, I think what we think is that, like I said, uh, mentioned earlier, one or two might dip their toe in. So it's worth going through your portfolio. And chances are, if you are getting into SA, you, you're aware of the strategy, you're already involved in property, you have properties of your own. So yeah, just having a little look at your portfolio, just thinking that, will this work for SA? So I think um, using your existing properties, taking a look at your portfolio and just seeing whether or not it would work. Yeah, why not? Awesome. Thank you, Chris. Well, um, we have reached the end of the list. That's of the eight ways that we would suggest you can do service accommodation. It's not an exhaustive list. I mean, literally, as we were going through, I was thinking there's a couple of nuances on there, that which I could have, could have probably turned into a couple of more on the list. But I think eight's a good starting point for you all. Any final remarks, Chris? No, thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, guys. And remember, if you want success, create win-win. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the SA Club podcast. We hope you found it useful. And if you want to connect with us more, check us out on Facebook at the SA Club or on our website at the club.co.uk. We wish you all the best of luck with your service accommodation journey. And remember, if you want success in life, create win-wins. Thanks, guys, and take care. <laughs>